Before we start this episode, I thought I'd tell you that I've got a new book out. Yes, another one. This one is to help coaches supercharge their coaching capability through reflective journaling. Coaching Journal, a guide and journal, walks you through the process by, well, providing you with a guide and some structured reflective models. So pop over to Amazon and get this quick, practical and insightful book today to start your journey towards a more successful professional practice. What would you put in your backpack if you had a new coaching engagement but could only take a limited number of items? Each week, The Coach's Backpack looks at the multifaceted world of coaching and asks a new guest to tell us what they would take with them and why. This week, we're taking a peek inside the backpack of Julia Montague. Julia, welcome. Thank you. First of all, let's get you to describe what you do, ideally in under 20 words, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I love that. In under 20 words. Okay, so in essence, I this isn't going to be under 20 words, David. I work with the speaking voice. So I am a voice coach. And often when I say I'm a voice coach, people think uh, I work with people who sing. Not at all. I can't sing for anything. So it's a really good job that it's not with the singing voice and it is with the speaking voice. So in essence, people might um, know that more, um, obviously, as a public speaking coach, but it's all about the voice. Okay, and so I'm worried now that you're going to be judging me on this, but um, I'm just going to quickly (laughs) move on. Okay, right. So the concept of this is that you have been asked to coach a new client, but are limited to what you can take with you. So you've got your essentials, your clothes, your toothbrush, stuff like that. But in addition, you're allowed to take one book a tool, technique, concept, method, approach, whatever we want to call it, one other item of your choice, and then another person, and they can be dead or alive to accompany you. Obviously, if they are dead, they'd be alive now to come with you, otherwise you're just dragging a dead body. That's not what I mean. Uh, (laughs) So you can take this in whichever order you wish. What is your first item, and why would you take it with you? Okay, so let's go for the book, Um, and I am going to cheat, David, because I went with um, two different books. I went with one that I love reading um, and has nothing to do with what I do as a coach, but I thought I might read it on my commute. Um, If I was commuting into London, as I used to do many, many months ago, then um, I always had a good book with me. So that would be The Kite Runner by Khalid Hosseini. Um, who also wrote A Thousand Splendid Sons, incredible. Um, And the other book, which in essence would be deemed as a self-development book, is The Miracle Morning by Hal Alrod. And it's one that I really recommend to many people that I coach and I work with. Um, It's all about uh, how to get your day going before 8am and some of the things that you can put into practice and building new habits. And I'm all about a good morning routine and uh, getting up and starting the day with that positive mindset piece. So this, for me, was a real game changer. So The Miracle Morning would be the book that I would take. Um, A tool or technique, concept or method or approach. So fundamental to everything that I do is, um, and it sounds really simple, is breathing. Um, often when I start working with a client when we're looking at the voice and public speaking, as soon as that level of adrenaline starts to pump, that nervousness, the anxiety starts to really be present, the first thing to go is the breath. So by understanding the importance 
of um, that building block, if you like, that, that foundation of everything that we do and the importance of uh, really breathing correctly, because eight out of 10 people don't breathe correctly, would you believe? Um, understanding that as a concept and a, a technique can um, really be life-changing for many people. Um, and, and this is something that, that I talk about when I train coaches in, in my world. We relate it back to stress and what's going on in the brain. When our, our, our human brain is, is flipping our lid, if you like, and going into that more mammalian brain is that we, we start to panic, right? And we start to, we start to talk really fast and we start to lose our words and all of these things. So, I mean, is there a, it's a bit cheeky, uh, but is there a technique that you can give us as a starting point about breathing? Yeah, there's so many different breathing techniques. A really, really simple one that anybody can do at any point in time is um, a great technique called box breathing. You may have heard of it. It's really good for, for bringing you out of that level of stress and just bringing you down to that level of calm. And it's imagining that you have a box in front of you that you're, you draw with your eyes. You can do it with your, your hand or your finger as well possibly not on the tube going into work. People might think you're a bit bonkers. But all you're going to do is as you draw your imaginary box, as you start drawing the first side, as you go up, you're going to inhale for four. Then as you get to the point where you are next drawing your second side, you're going to exhale. Then you're going to inhale as you draw down the other side, and then you're going to exhale. So really, really simply to account for the other slightly different way of doing the box breathing, which can be really beneficial too in being able to, if, if you're in that state of panic or stress, if you, as you've said there, and you're wanting to bring yourself down and almost deal with the pace of your speaking is to actually build in a hold of the breath. So you inhale up the first side of that box, then you hold your breath as you do a four hold, then you exhale on the third side of that box, and then you hold on that fourth side. So that we're adding in that other element of holding the breath. Now it's not about tensing your whole body and, and holding on for dear life. It's almost just being present where you are in the moment and almost being able to recognize that I can just sit with this and slow my pace, my breathing and my heart rate right down. So that's a really quick and easy technique when it comes to breathing that um, I would say anybody could do at any time of the day. Brilliant. And, and touches on mindfulness, right? I'm presuming if someone's really serious about this, then you'd push them to, to, to that as well, would you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big believer in mindfulness. One of the other hats that I wear is I'm a yoga teacher. So yoga has been a big part of my world since I was about 18. I'm not going to tell you how old I am now, but it's been for many, many years. And fairly recently, about four years ago, I retrained as a yoga instructor. And it wasn't necessarily about me going to teach yoga, but it was more of getting a really deep understanding of the philosophy behind yoga. And in yoga, Pilates, any, um, well, actually any type of exercise or sport, what's the most important thing? Your breath. I'm a runner as well. I've, I've run a marathon and multiple half marathons. But I came from never being able to run, being useless at sport at school, to understanding that if I could get my breathing right, then I could conquer anything when it came to exercise and running. It's the same with yoga and it's the same with your voice and public speaking. 
and being able to stand up and deliver. If you are in control of your breathing, you're in control of everything else. Brilliant. Okay, so we've got your one book, which didn't actually become one book. Uh, you've got your breathing technique. You're allowed to also take another item and a person. Okay, so my other item, <laughs> purely selfishly, would be Earl Grey tea. I am a huge Earl Grey tea drinker. Uh, I don't drink coffee. I drink lots of herbal tea, but Earl Grey tea is my absolute go-to. And I think it's such a culture that we have in this country about tea making everything better. <laughs> so, you know, someone dies, let's have a cup of tea. A baby's born, let's have a cup of tea. You know, or oh, what do we do? I know, let's have a cup of tea. So I... I smile at that, but it, it, it's so it's so true of our, our culture, maybe doing a massive generalization stereotyping here, but um, I would take an Earl Grey tea so that the person I was coaching, if they were a lover of Earl Grey, they could share some Earl Grey with me, but it's just about sitting down and connecting over a cup of tea. <laughs> okay, now I've got to ask, and this is where you might lose support or gain support, are you having milk? or lemon, or what is going in with this Earl Grey? And I think I'm going to lose support here, David. I am definitely a dash of milk with okay. my Earl Grey. I'm and sugar? Of... No, I don't like okay. sugar with Earl Grey. Okay. It's just a dash, and it is just a dash of milk. Okay, all right. At least there's no sugar. Uh, no, good, how, okay. How does that sit with you? Are you an Earl Grey lover? Uh, my, my wife's the Earl Grey lover with milk. It looks like dishwater. Um, okay. I don't have milk in tea, but I have a lot of milk in coffee. I make up for it in coffee. So okay. yeah, the Italians that? would be very upset with me uh -huh. having a cappuccino in for after lunch, but yeah. Okay, and who are we taking with us? Or who are you taking with you? Yeah, this was, this was really tricky, really tricky. But I'm going to take this individual um, because of what she represents. And also, um, I think she's incredibly inspiring and empowering. And that's going to be Michelle Obama. Um, I'd also love to know what it's like to be married to Barack and um, find out more about, um, you know, her life when she was in the White House. But I am so passionate about what she represents and what she is all about and her purpose and the fact that she is such an incredible public speaker. Um, she's charismatic, she uses her pauses, she's happy with silence, she has this presence when she walks onto stage. So I believe that there is a lot that I could learn as a voice coach from having a good old chin wag with Michelle. Yeah, and she's allowed to help you with your clients, right? This is the two of you going, so. Yeah, wouldn't she just be awesome walking through the door? I mean, who's not gonna go, oh my goodness, it's Michelle Obama, teach me something. So yeah, Michelle Obama for sure. That is cool, good, okay. So there's a couple of other things. So you've now got your backpack, you've got all this yeah. packed in. now. Some of it, some, some of your clothes, maybe you didn't pack it all yourself. And so as you're just putting your backpack on, you start to think, well, oh, I hope that wasn't packed in it. What, what would you want to make sure was not in that backpack? Ooh, what was not in that backpack? <laughs> I would probably say, and this is now showing my age, because if we rewind about 10 or 15 years, it would be a very different story. I'd probably say a pair of heels. Do not pack me a pair of heels. I cannot manage in heels these days. They have to be flats. How boring am I? Um, 
so yeah it would be please don't pack any uh you know three inch heels because i wouldn't manage just out of curiosity do, do heels make a difference to your to one's speaking absolutely um massively so i can only really speak from you know i'm going to do the whole stereotyping element to this but as females we have a very different posture and stance to males. Um, and if you then add in the element of heels, it completely changes where the weight is. So our weight isn't evenly distributed. Often as a female, we might have the habit of leaning into one hip, looking onto one heel, which changes again, all of our weight is on one side, we're then quashing and squashing part of our lung capacity, which impacts our diaphragm, yada, yada. So, um, so yes, in short, David, heels have a huge impact on our voice and ability to breathe. But for some, maybe those Jimmy Choo's or the Louboutins give them that power in their head that may be powerful, yeah. right? So, yeah, absolutely. but for you, it's a no. Um, it's not it's not necessarily a no. There were many, many years, David, where I would wear heels when I was coaching. Um, and that was all about, you know, status and impact for me and credibility, um, because there is a certain importance when it comes to how you show up. And that's not just from a mindset piece, but also you know, how are you showing up? If I'm walking into Barclays Bank to work with some of their senior leaders, I'm going to be suited and booted and I'm going to have a pair of heels on. So um, it's more around, you know, how you then manage that um, type of shoe in that dynamic. So I'm not saying it's a big no-no. I think now as I've got older, <laughs> it's more about comfort. <laughs> so a really cool pair of brogues, much more my go-to rather than the Jimmy Choo's, which would have been a few years ago. Okay, good. One last question then. Yeah. So you're about to go off. You've got uh, Michelle Obama coming with you. You've got your backpack all sealed. Where yeah. do you hope you are? Or maybe where you hope you're not going? Oh, where do I hope I'm going? Or where do I hope I'm not going? And, and this could be an industry rather than a specific firm. I'm not, uh, not going to ask you to out some client that you never ever want to work with again, or that you want a, a dream client, but... Yeah, it, so that's really difficult because one of the key things for me and what I do is variety. Um, and it's um, really, really important that I'm working across multiple industries because I love the diversity of people that I work with. So it's really difficult to say one particular industry or a particular, um, you know, company, as it were. I love working, if I talk about the person maybe. I love working with males and females, there's no preference over gender, who are working their way up. So they're hungry for more, they're ambitious and they're open to learning and wanting to develop and really self-aware that they, they need help in order to do that. And I love seeing the results of that, of somebody stepping into maybe a role or the best version of themselves that they maybe never thought they could do. 
So that's what I would like. I would like to be going to. Sorry, that's my dishwasher beeping. <laughs> the joys of home working. I would like to be going into an environment where I'm working with an individual or a number of individuals who are really hungry for more and really open to this form of coaching. Good stuff. Right. Well. Thank you very much, Julia Montague. If people would like to find out more about you and what you do, where can they go? Okay, so it's a nice um, and easy one to remember. It is www.juliamontague.co.uk. Thanks very much. Thank you, Julia. Thanks so much, David. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Coach's Backpack. If you would like extra goodies such as free tools, offers, further info about our guests, and maybe even the odd peek inside their actual backpack, sign up to our mailing list at thecoachesbackpack.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast too. See you next time.